0: You have the ability to essentially create an application or run an application that is resilient to failure, that can expand up or down, depending on the load that it might be receiving at any particular given point. That also, of course, leads in directly into cost as well. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead and how we
1: win. From Intervision, this is status go. The show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Hello and welcome to Status Quo. I am Victor Tingler and I have with me today Jacob Picard from InterVision. Today we're gonna to talk a little bit about cloud and talk about specifically when, why, and how to best utilize the cloud platforms. As most clients know, the utilization of cloud and cloud services can be a mixed blessing. Cloud done right can lead to great innovation solutions that drive the business forward, to help you grow your business, help you to reduce costs, a lot of the benefits that we all hear about. While on the other hand, cloud done wrong can leave a company in a worse position than they were when they started. Jacob, before we start today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background working with cloud technologies?
0: Sure, thanks, Vic. Uh, Yes, I am a cloud solutions architect and um, I specialize in both the AWS and the Azure cloud. And I've been working in cloud now for about five years. And prior to that, I have worked in infrastructure, primarily in the Microsoft stack on the server side and heavy on the networking with Cisco and Palo Alto and Brocade and Aruba Wireless. Uh, So I have a lot of the infrastructure background that has blended over into the cloud. So
1: you've been in the trenches and you've seen the other side of things. That's always a good perspective to have. So when we're talking about moving to the cloud. What are some of those key factors that organizations are looking at that would make them think, hey, it's it's time to make that jump or it's time to make that move to the cloud? What are you
0: seeing Yeah, that's a good question. Often when an organization is not as mature in their cloud journey, they may want to start the conversation around DR and backup and how they can store their, their data in the cloud and then essentially get it off expensive storage, whether it be a, a NAS appliance or a SAN appliance, something that's that's meant for high performance um, data, it's like they had this problem where all their backups are using up all their expensive storage on-prem, right? And they wanna get it off-prem and gain away from tapes, getting away from that whole rotation issue. Uh, so cloud is just, a, a it it fits well with those particular use cases because it it doesn't take very long to implement and they can start pumping out their backup data to the cloud so, these are common starting points with the company at that stage, and then we also have the the opposite end of the spectrum where organization is um or, or they can be completely cloud savvy and they just need help with um either adopting uh, whether it be serverless technology or um, or using CI CI CD pipelines for for their application and their development, so it it varies, but mostly it's around it's around the backups. That's usually where the conversation starts, and then it gets into aging hardware. and a, Let's say they have a stand appliance that they don't want to renew the maintenance on, and they want to get rid of it, and they want to start moving their data off that. Appliance. Another one is they have perhaps maybe a, a blade cluster or some sort of a compute cluster that uh, that is also either end of life and uh, they don't want to renew the new hardware, so they want to they want to look at what the what the cloud can offer them.
1: So I think a lot of times, Jacob, uh, what we see with organizations is what is that compelling event? Do they do they have a colo lease that's about to expire, or do they have you know maybe a turnover? in their business where some of the talent that they've had or the the resources they've had available to them are moving off to other opportunities. And it's a good time to look at, you know, how do we, uh, how do we shift some of this burden to a cloud type platform? So if we could, Jacob, could you take a few minutes and expand on if uh, an organization is moving to expand into a new market or looking to increase their business, when would cloud be, be right for that
0: type of client? Yeah. So these scenarios you mentioned happen quite often within businesses or organizations. Whether they have a, a colo lease expiring or they need to get out of their colo for whatever reason, sometimes as well, you know, people retire or the people leave the organization, and so they have a shortage of a uh, talent to manage the environment. Uh, so that happens quite often, actually. And then as well, there is the issue of um, disruption and slas and maintaining your particular uh, service or application available to your clients where like in, in a corporate environment for it your clients are the rest of the, uh, the organization in the company they rely on it to make sure that the lights stay on make sure that email is accessible make sure that critical line of business applications are accessible and if you have aging hardware or you have talent that has left the organization and and things are running without being managed um, that's a problem. Because then the SLA or the, basically the uptime of that particular application is going to suffer, which eventually leads to uh, the rest of the organization not being able to access or do their job, right? And so it, it's kind of like a domino effect. That's sort of like the when, right? And it's like, okay, when that happens, what are we looking at? How can we address that? Can we adopt cloud as an IaaS so that we don't have to worry about maintaining the hardware? That's just one particular use case.
1: So I guess the age old axiom still applies, right? Timing is everything, especially when you're looking at going to cloud. So when we're talking about moving to the cloud, let's talk a little bit about the why now. You know, business drivers can be a lot of different things to a lot of different people. You know, it can be everything from resiliency to cost reduction to, you know, just changing the way the, the model of the way that the business operates uh, move from CapEx to OpEx. What are you seeing across the board there as far as the, the why's that are driving to the cloud?
0: Yeah, a lot of folks, like they'll attend a, um, a reInvent or a Microsoft conference or whatever, regardless of, of the cloud vendor. They'll, they'll attend the cloud conference, right? And they'll get super excited about what's uh, what's shown. It's like, hey, you know what? I want to adopt that particular application or technology because it's going to help me do X. And those are certainly valid. It's a valid case there in order to adopt that particular strategy moving forward. But oftentimes what we see as the business drivers is it comes down to cost and they'll think, okay, well, maybe it's less expensive to go to the cloud. And that may be the case, but if you're thinking IaaS and doing a a lift and shift approach, typically you're going to get sticker shock because it will be more expensive to run run in the cloud as IaaS. But however, if you're adopting modern technologies like serverless, and perhaps maybe container services, then that's when you really start to see the benefit of cloud and how fast and nimble those applications can be, and how inexpensive they can be to run them.
1: So I believe we've seen a lot of cases where businesses have taken that approach. That well, cloud cloud is really popular. I want to make sure that that I am you know keeping up with my peers and keeping up with the other folks in my business uh, by going to the cloud. But they don't really put necessarily the the forethought into it as far as what the impact is going to be of cloud and how cloud is going to benefit them. So if you're looking at an organization, that's going to be expanding the business. Where is cloud really offering a lot of of benefit as far as flexibility?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. With the cloud, you have so much elasticity. You can essentially scale horizontally instead of scaling like in the old ways or the old days, we would scale vertically. Um, I used to manage uh, an Exchange environment for a pretty large organization. And um, Exchange, as you know, can be quite resource intensive to put that uh, vaguely. <laughs> <laughs> and so we would request as much processing power and RAM that we can possibly throw um, at the Exchange cluster to make sure that um, that it operated or gave optimal performance to the end users. Um, and so that's th- that would be an example of, of scaling vertically. With the cloud, you have the ability to scale horizontally so you only provision the amount of resources that you need for your particular application and then as the needs or the demands grow the application has the ability to to scale and and take that additional load and so that that then leads into HA and failover and so what happens is you have the ability to Essentially create an application, or run an application in the cloud that is resilient to failure that can expand up or down uh depending on the load that it might be receiving at any particular given point so it's very nimble that way, and then that also of course leads in directly into cost as well if I'm running small, you know like chances are no one's using the particular application, say the email server or whatever you know at midnight or whatever so the the application will run. Uh, just hum along and then until that application now has to scale up because now let's say it's 6am or whatever users are starting to come in and then the application or the server starts getting more load well then that application can now start to essentially warm up the engines, so to speak right and then it'll start scaling up the environment to support that load so it's elastic that way right it goes up and down and it can support your your users your application's and that's, that's just one use case of, uh, of the resiliency and the HA and the failover that um, that you can have with an application.
1: You bring up a good point. So when you're talking about resiliency, I believe a lot of organizations make the assumption, hey, I put it in the cloud, Amazon, Azure, Google, whoever the cloud platform is, they're gonna make sure that my application is resilient. And that's not the case, right?
0: That is correct. And, and I say that with a slight hesitation because the, the cloud platform itself say, GCP, AWS, Azure, whoever it might be, right? They are responsible for the cloud, the infrastructure of the cloud, right? So if, let's say you, you spin up an application up there um, or you put your data up there. The cloud provider is responsible for main, making sure that that application, that data set is available to you on the backend. However, if you run a particular application as IaaS, for example, unless you built in the resiliency, on that, and let's say you deploy that application and it's only in one availability zone or one fault domain in the in the Azure realm, and let's say that particular domain or a data center experiences an outage for whatever reason, then your particular application will go down because you haven't built a resiliency into it. The, the cloud provider, though, if you had deployed that application or that solution in multiple availability zones, for example, then your application can now can take a hit for example let's say one availability zone goes down the application will still be available to your end users because it's running in a different az um, we call it and this this does happen i believe it was 2017 there was a lightning storm in texas that affected um, the azure cloud based out of san antonio over there it did affect that cloud provider uh, i think the year prior to that amazon had its own issue with uh, with s3 on the east coast And that had ripple effects that affected the rest of its cloud as well. So unless you have resiliency built into your application, regardless of whether it's IaaS or if it's a serverless deployment or what have you, you can experience outage. It's very unlikely that it will happen, but it's still possible.
1: That's a very, very valid point and good information to bring up. And I I think that kind of leads us into our our last topic of discussion, which is the how. So, you know, we've we've determined that it's the right time determined that, uh, that we have the right use case either business use case or technical use case to move to the cloud i guess probably the most important part of this three-legged stool would be the how we see all the time a business an organization a company you know put the flag in the ground and say i'm moving to the cloud and have a cloud first strategy but having made that decision at a high level and the actual execution of that are two very different things right So how would a business uh, be successful moving to the cloud versus, you know, experiencing a lot of the painful uh, lessons that that happened over the last decade or so with, uh, with folks trying to get to the cloud.
0: Yeah, sure. That's a great question. Ideally, what you want to do is start with an assessment to see what your as is environment is like before you decide to move to cloud. What this does is it gives you an overall picture of what your environment looks like. It also gives you the ability to shore up documentation for a particular application that may may have been managed by someone who left the organization. And you know, you might take the approach where don't touch that application because so-and-so left, and if you touch it, it might break, type of thing. <laughs> uh, I'll classify those as, as legacy applications. Uh, so it gives you an opportunity to uh, to really assess what your environment looks like before you decide to make any changes as you progress into your cloud journey.
1: So when you're looking at that assessment you really want to determine what applications are going to be successful in the cloud prior to moving to the cloud
0: exactly yeah sometimes it doesn't make sense to move for example going back to my personal experience with exchange server and being exchange admin sometimes it doesn't really make sense to um, move that to an IaaS platform in the cloud why not just migrate your email to a hosting provider Um, office 365 is a very popular one in the migration process from on-prem to cloud is relatively straightforward, so that frees up your resources to work on on other systems and other other solutions.
1: So that brings around another good point. Then on the migration process, what have you seen work and what doesn't work? What are some of the gotchas to go watch out for there?
0: As for the migration process, the cloud vendors provide their tools that you can use. Uh, for example, Azure offers. Um, Azure Site Recovery or ASR for short, it allows you to essentially migrate your applications, whether it be on on Hyper-V or VMware, or even a physical appliance. It allows you to migrate that appliance or that application to the cloud. AWS has their server migration service and other tools too, like CloudEndure, that you can use to do essentially block level replication, again, just like ASR, to move those uh, workloads to the cloud. So you can use these tools. They are relatively easy to use. However, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best approach because sometimes you'll come across issues, perhaps maybe during that migration process, because what's happening on that migration process is essentially, uh, yes, it's a block level replication of your data, but it's essentially a V2V migration because you're migrating from VMware or Hyper-V to a either a a Hyper-V instance in Azure or an EC2 instance in AWS, right? So there are changes that are happening there at the operating system level, because once you you migrate and you hit start and that VM starts to, or that instance starts to load up, it could fail, right? It, It might not boot all the way to the login screen, so you might have issues. So in those particular instances, this is where using a cloud solutions partner will help you because they've seen the pitfalls They know the roadblocks that you might encounter and they have workarounds in order to, to work those issues through resolution and, um, and get your migration done quickly and on time.
1: So Jacob, when someone's looking at a migration, what would you, what would you call out as the top three, uh, things to watch out for the gotchas, the pitfalls they would need to be aware of?
0: So for the top three pitfalls, number one is the dependencies, knowing your application dependencies and. How all your applications are interconnected and and who's talking to what is critically important. And when organizations don't do that assessment and they just try to shotgun it, they're going to find that things are going to break because that initial planning was not done. So number one, knowing your dependencies is critically important. Another one that we see is uh, network latency. Sometimes if they have a particular application that is sensitive to latency, um, they need to think about what their bandwidth requirements are gonna be when they adopt cloud. Um, That's super important, especially coming from me being a a prior network engineer. And then the the last one I would say is old operating systems. Just last week I was in a conversation with the customer and they're wanting to move a, a Windows 2000 server to the cloud and I had to ask twice did you say 2,000? <laughs> um, so when you're using older software, uh, you really ought to be thinking about replatforming that because old applications like that are no longer supported by um, the vendors and there's just a security nightmare.
1: Makes perfect sense. Obviously, with your experience and your years of doing this, you've probably seen a lot of different uh, successes and, and failures <laughs> to go along with moving to the cloud. Can you talk about a few of those if you don't mind?
0: Yeah, sure. There are... There are a few use cases that I can think of. Um, there was one primarily on uh, video surveillance. And as you know, video data uh, doesn't compress well, and it uses up a lot of bandwidth and storage. <laughs> um, especially especially as you start getting into the HD resolutions and the 4K resolutions, um, all that starts eating up a lot of your storage space. And so what we find is that in in that using the cloud to store that video data uh, is is very helpful because we're able to essentially deploy an appliance, uh, it's a virtual appliance mind you, uh, in the customer's environment and essentially present that cloud storage Um, as a either an iSCSI mount or an NFS share, whatever might be required for that particular application, we can present cloud storage to them in a native protocol that they understand. And then so the cloud or the the video application is writing the data on the back end to cloud storage, but it doesn't know that it's doing that. And that cloud storage is now retaining all of your video data. This particular use case was for law enforcement, so they had uh, video cameras um, throughout three different locations that were geographically uh, separated, and uh, and now law enforcement is able to query that data, um, and and access that video footage, and and because it's in the cloud, the the data capacity is infinite, right? So they can they can keep pumping data into there, um, as long as they want to, and so that sort of leads into once your data is in the cloud, now you can start perhaps I mean dumping that data into a data lake and then running some reporting on it and some analytics on it. So
1: obviously big data, machine learning, AI, those are those are huge, especially as clients try to start to monetize the information they have. What other instances have you seen where machine learning AI has has been you know driven forward using cloud?
0: Yeah, good question. With AI and machine learning, a particular organization had a web application that was publicly accessible and is essentially a form-based application that you can go ahead and fill in your information and submit for processing. And what they found was that uh, they were being spammed. Essentially, they were having, um, I don't know if you wanna call it web bots or or what have you, but essentially it was malicious intent to fill out these applications. They were just getting inundated with all these applications, like thousands and thousands of them every day. And a lot of them them were bogus. And so they were able to use AI and machine learning tools to essentially build a predictive analytics model to determine what applications are legitimate and which ones are malicious. And essentially... There was a spam filter created for that application so that the human resources that were reviewing these applications weren't spending their time or spinning their wheels, you know, hitting delete, delete, delete on bogus applications. All that was essentially ending up in a, in a trash bin so that they can have the time and the visibility to get to the legitimate applications.
1: Fantastic. It's exciting what you can do with AI machine learning, especially in areas around security and around threat prevention and controls and things of that nature. So obviously more organizations are looking for ways to do more with less. When we talk about automation in the cloud, how, how big a factor is that and where have you seen that be successful?
0: Yeah, automation is just about everywhere when it comes to cloud. It's really exciting because the different cloud vendors, they have their particular scripting language that you can use. Uh, for example, AWS has their CloudFormation templates and Azure has their ARM templates. These templates, what you can do with them is you can script out essentially the entire environment uh, for the most part infrastructure as code we like to call it what that means is that you have this script file that once you upload it and run it in the particular cloud environment it's going to go through and start deploying resources for you based on what it is that you put into that uh, template and instead of having someone having to deploy those resources well you're having code do it for you and so what that translates to now is that okay Well, now I can schedule that, and now I can script that, and now I can add if-then statements to it, right? And you can get really fancy with it. So that's the whole automation component of leveraging cloud.
1: Fantastic. So, Jacob, I really appreciate your time today. It's been fantastic to get uh, some of your insights on what you've seen in the cloud and how to utilize cloud. We've covered the win you know, we want to make sure the timing is right. We want to make sure we're moving to the cloud, that it actually is the right time for the company, for the business, for the, for the IT organization to be able to support that. We want to make sure that we understand the why. We're not just moving to cloud because it's popular. We're moving to cloud because it actually is something that's going to help drive the business forward. It's either going to reduce costs or help us with our resiliency or maybe uh, allow us to be more flexible and, and to move into new markets we couldn't do otherwise. And then, you know, last but not least, we talked about the how. And the how, of course, is, you know, really, I think a central piece of that is starting with that assessment and really knowing and understanding your applications and and services environment prior to moving to the cloud so you can avoid making mistakes that may cost you down the road. So if you're going to give us any parting wisdom on, you know, cloud in general and and, uh, what customers should be looking for, especially moving forward in the future, uh, what would that be?
0: Oh boy! <laughs> I put
1: you on a spot there. Sorry,
0: buddy. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. That's all right. Um, <clears throat> cloud wisdom. Hmm. Well, as for as for advice, I would just um, think about um, think about the different migration approaches that you can take. You know, once you've determined the when and the why, um, as so far as the how, there's different migration approaches that you can take as you start moving your workloads to the cloud. And, um, we like to call those the four R's first one is rehost. That's the one that I spoke about briefly earlier about lift and shift. Um, that is one approach, but be careful because your cloud costs can be quite expensive, uh, when you take that route, it gets you to the cloud the fastest, but it also brings a lot of technical debt because any issues that you had on-prem, you'll likely will have running in the cloud. The, uh, the other approach is uh re so if you have a particular, let's say, a database server that um, is either old or end of life and no more security patches are available for it, then you want to replatform that and move it to a newer instance or a newer version of that database platform. The other one is re-architecture, and that's essentially where you're replacing a system and you're moving to perhaps maybe a SaaS model. I spoke briefly earlier about uh, exchange migrations and going to Office 365. That's one approach to um, a re-architecting your email environment, for example. And then uh, lastly is the refactor. And in refactoring, uh, this one usually takes the longest because essentially you are you are rewriting code, or you're rewriting your application, and, but you're utilizing serverless technology. And what that allows you to do is to auto-scale up and down, like we talked about earlier, it really allows your application to, to run in the cloud as it, it's intended to be.
1: All right. Well, once again, Jacob, thank you very much for your insights. And, uh, thank you. sharing some of your experiences with the cloud. And we hope that this has been helpful for our, our audience out there. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.